Welcome to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. Again, I'm Brent Trimble, and my guest today is the president and CEO at RTM Consulting and the managing director of the Resource Management Institute, known as RMI, Randy Maslevic. Randy, great to have you back on the show. Hey, Brent, thanks for inviting me, and I'm delighted to spend some time talking with you about an important topic today. No, it's great. Thanks. Thanks again. And you referenced um, that you have been on in the past, and back in March of this year, we talked to you on the show about data you'd been gathering from the 2021 RMI Research Report, specifically focused on resource utilization and some of the key findings there. Today, We'll pivot a bit, and we're going to look at the latest RMI survey series results around resource management automation solutions, and we'd love to have you walk us through the top trends you're seeing emerge. Then it would be great to dig into a few of those topics, maybe the notion of automated staffing and augmenting resource pools. And of course, with our clients and our potential partners, these are top of mind for everyone. But before we kick things off, for users and listeners who are not as familiar with RMI, the Resource Management Institute, could you tell us a little bit about the organization and the subsequent research that you do? Yeah, absolutely, Brent. Thanks for asking. So the Resource Management Institute was formed in 2016. It was a, a roughly a spinoff from RTM Consulting, the parent company, where we help service organizations get better at what they do. And as a part of that work we had done for more than 15 years, resource management was always about half of our business. And so we've become quite knowledgeable in helping project-based organizations, particularly in professional services, how to get better at the management of their most expensive investment that they make in their companies, and that's in people. And so the Resource Management Institute came to be in 2016. Today, it has more than 2,000 members. And we essentially are all things to resource management. And we help with research in the space. We publish reports in the space about that. We run various events that are specific to resource management. And we publish white papers and other things. Probably most importantly, we have a certification program to teach people who want to learn how to do better resource management. It's called the Resource Management Certified Professional Program. We teach them everything uh, we think that they need to know about resource management to make it effective in their enterprises. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I've had some colleagues who go through the certification process and talked about the value there, just this notion of codifying and understanding what that role really entails and how it's evolved over time. We actually started the RMCP training back in 2014. We actually started doing it before we formed the the institute itself. And it took off, did very, very well. And then we had a lot of requests from people to build an institute around it. And that eventually led us to running annual conferences and things. But the training has been around now for, gosh, that's eight years, I want to say, since our very first certification course. And since then, we've had more than 500 different companies put their resource managers through this program. And it's continuing to grow quite rapidly. And we're excited to continue to be able to deliver it and hopefully the value it provides to the people that go through the program. For users who are interested in that, you can go on the resourcemanagementinstitute.com website and read a bit about that. So we talked a little bit about the research that came out in 2021. And today we'll look at some of the latest survey series results 
around resource management automation. Talk to us maybe a bit around, describe potentially just the methodology and the types of firms you surveyed and then the topics, and then we'll dig into some of the trends that have emerged. So the one we're going to be talking about on resource management automation, I I believe was the 22nd survey we've done since we started doing this. We generally do four research surveys a year. They're done on a quarterly basis, and we publish a report out of that. Generally speaking, we'll have one to 200 different respondents. It's usually 50 to 75 companies, and they represent professional services is our biggest respondent base. But we also get input from enterprise IT organizations, marketing agencies, accounting audit tax firms, and product development organizations. And pretty soon, we're going to start doing the same thing for law firms as well. All organizations that have billable people just as in professional services, a different business, but nonetheless, it's still human capital needed to deliver their services. And so that's what that's all about. And the automation survey is something we do. We do this every year. So we're building a trends database for resource management automation tools. And we look at all things to what those tools do for users that want to automate their resource management environments. When you reference the notion of automation for context. And as you frame that question to the respondents, to the targets in the survey, what's the context there? I mean, how is that articulated to them? We articulated around the necessity to have good process to run resource management, right? And and from our prior broadcast, as an example, we have this when we teach resource management certified professionals how to do better resource management. We teach them this thing we have called just-in-time resourcing. And it's made up of six elements that we teach our students as to these are the six elements that you've got to have in place process-wise in order to effectively manage resources. And then we go on to say that those six things need, those six pieces of process need to be managed by some kind of an automation tool. So if I'm doing forecasting, where do you store your data and how do you report from that? If you have a skills database, where do you store information about your resources and then how do you extract value from that? You have projects that you want to input and staff to, how do you then do that and how do you have the system help you with staffing, right? So the context is you need good process to manage resource management, but then you need a, an automation tool to automate those processes so you get the advantage of automation and to serve up information for people to make better decisions on. And, and so the, when we sent out that survey, it's all around how do people use those tools, right? We asked them how they do those six things in just-in-time resourcing, you know, the, handle those processes. We asked them, you know, how big a population that they're serving with those those tools, how long have they used them? Are they happy with them? Are they effective? Are they thinking of changing them? And then we go through those six things and talk about how does your tool handle forecasting? How, how does it do for the skills database? How does it do for uh, for governance and reporting and those sorts of things? And they're getting more comprehensive as we go. We've been adding questions, making them larger as time goes on, as we wanting to get more uh, deeper data about what's going on, as well as to develop a better fix on the trends. You know, what's are things getting better for people? people, are they using them differently? And it's been fascinating. Watch, I think this one we did on automation, I think was the fourth time we've done this automation tools report. We've got some really clear views of how things are going, how things are trending, and exciting data. We And we think it's great benchmark information for you know people to go and get this report. You can get the report from the RMI website for free. I'm just going to make a note of that. That sounds like a great resource. We find, you know, in talking with our potential partners and 
folks that are in the professional services space and in the, whether it's to your point, a consulting firm, tax advisory, marketing services firm, that indexing against peers and understanding how the business and operations and platforms are, are evolving are, are always valuable. So it's great. The user can just go on the website and access this information. And we encourage people to, you know, there are 22 reports sitting out there you can get for free. And if you're responsible for resource management in your business, it's a great place to get good benchmarking information. So you can benchmark how you're doing on any of the elements of the just-in-time resourcing process we talk about, how you're doing relative to use of technology in your space. We do uh, some of the research is on the role of the resource manager, the resource management office, how companies are positioning RMOs, how they're investing in them. You know, again, anything related to resource management, we've got large and growing a database of, of information that, again, free to people in the, in the space. We hope they'll t- continue to take advantage of it. Let's discuss and, and learn from you a bit on some of these emerging trends. And, and you've been doing these a while. And as the practice, probably certainly the platforms, the technology have continued to evolve and, and modernize over time, uh, the trends shift a bit. So we're we're interested, maybe give us the top line, I think, of the three trends you saw emerge from this data, maybe the top three that seemed common and repeatable, and then we can discuss those. One is certainly that we've been at this with the parent company, RTMC, for 15 years, with the Institute now for six and with our certification program for eight years. And clearly through that time, you reel back 15 years, it was, the industry was still pretty nascent relative to how it was adopting good quality resource management practices, you know, and I would use as a compare and contrast to project management training and processes and things have been around much, much longer, right? 40, 50 years. And so resource management really just kind of came into its, its being 10, 15 years ago and it's accelerated. And one thing we've seen that was one of the first things we called out in that report is we're finally starting to see a wave of companies who got in early and said, okay, this resource management thing's important. We want to get better at it. We want to buy a tool, build a process that a lot of them have matured to the stage now where they, they have the fundamentals down. They're getting good utilization. They're getting good value from it, better predictability on their project startups, how they manage their projects because they're just, they've figured out this right person, right place, right time has, has a lot of uh, positive impacts on their project performance, particularly in professional services. So the first thing we called out, though, is that those organizations, that first wave of those companies have started to look at more advanced capabilities like automated staffing. You know, the tools up until the last three or four years ago gave you the information you needed to make good staffing choices generally fell somewhat short about spitting out, okay, for this project, here's of the 22 people you need, here's 20, you're going to have to go figure out who the next two are. People want tools now that are going to actually take them to where they're, instead of having to pick the whole project team, let the system pick the easier ones, right, so that the resource managers can spend time on more complex project staffing, just a bigger volume of staffing, or in particular where I've got to go find resources that may be outside the enterprise. And so they're looking for tools that allow, that really feed more automated staffing capabilities as an example. So that was number one that came out. Number two was, we've called this out now four years in a row, huge dependency on spreadsheets. And so while four years ago, arguably you could have said there's still need for spreadsheets in these environments, today we we have a pretty good view into a lot of the tools that are available in this space. And quite frankly, 
if you've picked the right tool and you got the right processes built, your dependencies on spreadsheets should have been dramatically reduced from where they may have been four or five years ago. 71% of our respondents said they're still using spreadsheets to manage resources. And so we find that concerning. Why is it that those capabilities do exist today in these tools, but yet we're still relying on the spreadsheets from the past? And then the third thing was that We've clearly made the vendors, you know, we would like to believe we've been a good catalyst for companies that are building professional services automation tools to hear from us what users like about their tools and what they don't like, what they'd like to see, where the investments are going and those sorts of things. And over the years when we've been focusing on on weaknesses in those tools, particularly in forecasting and skills database and skills automation tracking, those sorts of things. The vendors have made a ton of progress in that area. They're not perfect. There's still room for improvement, but they've gotten a lot better. So there's still we still call out a need for those things to get better because our respondents are still telling us there's weaknesses there. But again, they're also asking for more advanced capabilities like automated staffing and more support of their BI and artificial intelligence requirements. AI is an example for automated staffing is what a great application of have your AI tool, look at the project, look at the project needs, go to your skills database, figure out who has those skills that's available during the right project window that you need, and bam, and spit out maybe 80% of your project team so that your resource managers can spend the time on filling the gaps that, that, that might remain. So that was the third one was just this whole area of making some additional progress on those core fundamental things, but adding the future functionality through tools like AI, BI, and again, automated staffing. So those are the three biggest things that we saw in this report from when we did it a year earlier. That's really interesting. And it, certainly we have the benefit of talking with probably thousands of potential partners annually and then bringing on several hundred each year. And each organization's in a different stage of maturity and evolution, right? Some are coming from pure spreadsheet, organic knowledge, understanding of who they've got in their organization and going by gut and feel and some just practical notions of who's not underwater in terms of being overutilized. All the way through, I think to your point, firms that were early into PSA, staffing automation, resource planning as a discipline, and now they see the value and they want to take the platform further. And for our listeners, when you talk about this notion of having the platform do more and automate more of the process is what you describe the notion of a project comes in, maybe it's through a CRM, sales team, whatever the case may be. It's either commercials have been executed with a client or potentially it's imminent. We know this is going to start and particularly for management consulting and marketing services clients, they've they've almost have to start that fit casting team process prior to a kickoff. And then the roles, certainly the skills, the fit dimensions like time zone, certainly client specificity, vertical experience. And then ultimately, can we margin our, can the resources that we, we array and deploy for this platform help the firm make money? And if we're describing this correctly, what they're after is having more of that synthesizing of the data, assembling the team, and then potentially having options to explore on, on a staff plan that works best, that process automated. Yeah, I think, you know, actionable data is a phrase that comes to, to mind to me is, is that in what we called actionable data five years ago, 
we probably call it something different. We would have probably called it fundamentals data or something like that. But as you were describing, if we want to use the automated staffing example, we We've taken all this data that's sitting in our skills database, our forecasting environment, the project inputs that we're trying to staff to, and let the system go mine all that data and figure out for us, you know, how to put together the right person, right place, right time to make that start to come to life. Whereas five years ago, that was some resource manager looking at the data coming from each of those areas of their PSA tool and putting together the project plan, putting the names on the boxes and then coming forward and saying to the delivery team, here's the team to do this project. And today, you know, is the tools will do a lot more of that heavy lifting and it gives the managers a chance than the resource managers a chance to spend more time where their time and attention and, and their knowledge will be of more value other than just moving data around and putting it in the right buckets. It's looking at the data now and what does it say? And by the way, now I can use my RMs for, I mentioned, you know, big or complex projects. Sometimes those things are not only just getting right quantity of people and right skill sets, but sometimes it's the personalities too, right? And being able to think through some of the other aspects of make a great, big, important, complex project management task go better because we picked a team that was more on target with what the client need was. And having the automation tool do more of that for me frees up time for the resource manager to spend more time on the things maybe those tools can't quite do yet. Yeah, what you describe is, to an extent, a holy grail of eventuality of capability where propensity for success could be greater, you know, potentially manifest in the tool. We're scoring dimensions of success. We're scoring different staff plans based on parameters like profitability and fit. But ultimately, you know, maybe over time with AI machine learning, training the systems to develop that um, success score. Yeah, and I think it's, it, it can also help with the thing that we're lacking in the industry today, too, Brent. It's the ability to go back and look at, okay, we just ran 20 projects in the last two quarters. We know what the profitability was. We know which ones are late, which ones were, were not late. But the question then is, can I go back and look at the data? And what does it tell me that for the next 20, I should do differently to produce a better outcome? Did I pick my labor from the right place? Did I overskill the project? Did I underskill the project? Could I have offshored some of that work? I mean, there's all kinds of dimensions that, that data is sitting in these PSA tools. It's just not being mined because the tools, and to be fair, the, the, the processes and the teams that are running, I'm not yet sophisticated enough to where they've gotten to move to that point where I'm spending more time on what I would call strategic resource management, right? It's how do I take that data and now figure out going forward how to do that you know, 3% better than I did the last quarter. And I improve on that next year. I think I might have mentioned in a prior broadcast, you know, one of the things that we were trying to get people focused on is how do you actually look at your labor cost per hour and try to drive that down year to year? In, in an environment where we know the labor pressures and cost of labor, the pressures are upwards. It really comes down to, can you get the data that says, I could have made smarter choices, better choices, back to underskilling, overskilling, did I do the work in the right place? There's all kinds of different dimensions that I could look at to help me produce a future better outcome. And I, to me, that's competitive advantage for a professional services team to be able to look forward and say, wow, I could take data, put it to work for me in a way that my competitor does, and I can put together a smarter team and a smarter way to produce a better outcome. I think it's quite exciting that technology is going to allow us to do that. It's not there yet, but it's going to get there, and we see the pieces of that coming together. And then also, what does it mean for our talent, for colleagues who are working in this space, that there are dimensions to being selected and cast on a team that are important to their career, interest categories, and client work, meaningful work, 
which are things we see on the other side of the equation when different surveys and pieces of data come come out about the market, you know, the future of talent and all the dimensions and how that's been thrown into upheaval in the past couple of years. Yeah, employee engagement's a huge topic right now because retention rates are not where companies would like them to be. We know that generational changes, the great resignation, labor shortages, I mean, there's all these, it's like the perfect storm has hit in the world of labor for professional consulting services organizations. And so the need for me to create a better bond with the people in my organization is absolutely there. And, and you know, that's a people talk about this in terms of employee engagement, employee satisfaction, call it what you want. But, you know, one of the things that we at the RMI have been talking about, writing about, is that the time has come where we actually have the ability to start to do a better job of employee engagement at scale. And I don't mean, hey, Brent, you got five people, go spend more time with your people, right? Because those folks are worn out. The managers have so many responsibilities, just tell them to go spend more time and do more engaging things with their employees is not necessarily the answer. We need to put technology to work because a lot of the times the employee engagement, employee satisfaction, particularly in professional consulting services, is I simply want to let people do more of the kind of work they want to do. If they think is in line with their interests, they think is in line with their career growth, in line with their career development. And so today the technology exists to where we not only can, you know, today's tools were designed largely to pick a team that fits the economic needs of the project. Not too many people, not too few, don't overskill, don't underskill, right? But up until the last couple of years, companies just didn't use their PA, PSA tools much to figure out, okay, before I actually assign people to work, have I also considered this other dimension of employee engagement and maybe finding a better balance where maybe what I just did for this delivery team isn't the best economic decision for me, the vendor, but in the long run, I'm going to make Harry, Sally, and Sam happier because they're going to get a better shot to do the kind of work they want to do, when they want to do it. They think it's in line with their career growth, you know, whatever their personal pursuits might happen to be. And now I've got a, a better balance of serving my employee base at scale with an automation tool for resource management, better in balance with, you know, what are still important economic considerations relative to margins and profits for for the companies that, that uh, are doing these projects. So I, I think it's, a again, a huge opportunity time for companies to step back and say, okay, how do I get ahead of the curve in this employee engagement thing and do it at scale? And that's what computers do well, right, is they take lots of information and they serve it up in a way that we can now make better management choices, in this case, about how I'm going to staff my teams. Um, so I, I think we're going to see a lot more need for that. We certainly are seeing demand for that. People asking us about best practice in this area. How are people going about that? And we've written some white papers, and, and you'll see various research snippets from us on this whole area of employee engagement and, and doing it at scale with your process and your tool. The discussion so far has been really rich in terms of what's possible. We've seen this era now of the platforms being able to distill and synthesize and collate data, deploy things like scenario plans. To your point, a lot of that's around economic, and there's so many more dimensions than just the economics of staffing the right team on a consulting project, for instance. But in the research, there's this figure that stands out that as far as satisfaction with the current suite of tools available, only 32% of respondents noted they were satisfied. And one of the call-outs was around this topic of automated support for staffing. 
Conversely, also low satisfaction in skills tracking and management, keeping that rich metadata around talent and resources available. What are the key reasons you sort of take away from that, those insights from the the research? Is it that this is driven by maybe early adopters who feel that the technology is not keeping pace, or is it folks and firms that are new to resource planning as a discipline? We'd love to hear your take on that. I think it's what we were talking about a little bit earlier. It's that the marketplace is maturing. What was a meets minimum capability in a resource automation tool five years ago, it doesn't cut it any longer. And the resource management offices have become more sophisticated in the processes they put in place and the kind of people they have running those processes. And one of the things we see that when we can tell an organization is probably not using its automation tools or processes aren't quite built right is where the resource managers are doing lots of administrative tasks. All I'm trying to do is trying to play triage. I got a project that has to get started by next Tuesday, and I got resource managers running around as quickly as they can trying to find people to staff a project. Those organizations are moving past that to where they want the tool to come forward, where I said, in automated staffing, which, you know, as I mentioned, the reason that I think that number was so low is because there's the tools today don't generally do a great job of automated staffing. I said, mentioned they're better fixed at the moment to come up and say, okay, this is a project you got to do. You need 12 people with these skills. Here's the 22 people you can pick from. And then that's the resource manager's job from that point. And where the industry needs to go now is for that tool to come forward and say, no, no, no. you had a project with 12 people. Here's nine people that we think are spot on. Just put their names in the boxes. These three areas, you probably got to go do a little work. Here's 10 people to pick from and let the resource managers go focus their time and attention not being an admin, but really doing some of the interaction with the people that are going to do the work, talking to the delivery managers, really start to get a beat on how do we you know, do a better job of strategically staffing that particular project. And by the way, paying attention to employee wants and needs as a part of that cycle as well. So we think it's a lot more of the, the industry is starting to mature. People are starting to want more from their tools, and they should. A part of the industry is absolutely ready for this. It'll be interesting to see because it still shocks me today because you mentioned earlier, you said you still got people coming in saying, you know, I don't have anything for resource management. I still do spreadsheets. It's pretty shocking to me. It must be shocking to you. I don't get it how we can be in 2022. We still have companies that are there. Now, maybe it's that small company that starts up and they're growing so fast and they just didn't catch up with that and stuff like that. But the company's been around 15, 20 years and they have no resource management process. Wow. I just don't know how that happens in today's environment because you can't it's hard to compete to today's environment if you can't manage 75% of your cost base in a super efficient way. I, I don't know how you remain competitive. And so I think that automated staffing is, is going to come along and it's going to get a lot of focus. And that's why it got hit. You notice, too, from the same report, there was a section there on skills tracking. And again, while just say the scores for skills tracking and forecasting got better they're still not where they need to be. Still have too high a percentage of people still saying, hey, I'm getting better support from that, but but not quite where I want to be. And I think the, one of the biggest turns of the crank that's occurred is this whole area of, of I've got to pay more attention, not just to the financial needs of my project, but to the employee engagement needs of my projects as well, so that I get better balance in how I assign people to work. Obviously, as a platform, we get to talk to a really huge array of Firms that are ascendant and and they're maturing and they they gone into the business to deploy 
innovation and client solutions and operations came later. So it's a very need-based conversation and they know their platforms and technology and processes that they need to mature. And then conversely, management consulting really started 20, 30 years ago, the notion of the staffing manager as the hybrid resource manager and that ascendant career and staffing people on projects. And they're making pivots to more technology, but then was on a call with a potential global partner a few weeks ago, and we were going through platform and requirements and demonstrations. And it was interesting that they were prompting the notion of where's our R&D going with AI, machine learning, what types of forecasting was available. Now, thankfully, we were able to show some of that, but, but it's interesting that they're now probably understanding the value of the platform, enabling a dis- discipline like resource management, but really starting to push what the capabilities could be. The research is great. And again, we'd, we'd encourage our listeners to go on the website, download. I think you said there's there's a few dozen artifacts there, past and present research to pour through. But as we look to your next rounds and as you're formulating ideas for your next surveys and, and testing the market and, and gaining insights, what kind of predictions do you see for next year? What do you think is going to emerge as topics that are maybe a continuation of trends you've seen or things that you think will jump out? Probably the biggest one we think we're going to see is the the emergence of the gig marketplace. I'd say it's not just the emergence because the gig marketplace emerged some number of years ago. But, you know, the latest data I think I saw said, you know, by the time 2023 is out, almost almost half of our service-based workers are going to have been a source from some gig marketplace. With the folks like myself, you know, I've been in the business now for 40-something years. You know, when I came out of college, I expected to go for work for a company and probably work for the same company for 30 or 40 years and, and have a, you know, a stable work environment, all those kind of things. And the thought of working as an independent just never entered my mind. It certainly has, you know, over my career, I've had a couple opportunities to do that. But today's younger worker, if you look at the last two generations that are in the making today, those folks basically half of them tell us in surveys, I'm very comfortable working as an independent as opposed to working for some big company that's got an established set of benefits and those sorts of things. And, and we are just from what we've seen relative to the companies we're exposed to in the RMI, companies have not really grasped the fact that they're going to have to, in the next two year, three years, start to source 30, 40, 50% of their delivery resources from a gig marketplace. And that has all kinds of implications, right? It's okay, those folks are not in my ecosystem, so I don't have the chance to be the one to train them, to build our cultural values around them. And how do I, you know, when I'm doing a today, uh, third parties are generally speaking, you'll see anywhere from 10 to 20% of a typical delivery organization's population. And that presents complications in and of itself because I got to know who are those third parties and what's my deal with them. How do I train them? I got, you know, insurance things and contracts. And it's complicated. It's complicated, right? And so you're trying to put together in every project, you got 10 to 20% of your resources are coming from someplace outside your four walls. That's complicated. We'll just take that and double that number and ask yourself, are you prepared for that? Because that's going to get, well, that's what's coming. And if you can't get there with that, what you're going to end up is you're going to have really scarce, big scarcities of, of delivery resources. You need to do your projects. And so this whole area of third-party outreach, gig marketplace, how do I bring that capability into my environment? It's both process 
any automation technologies and like these gig marketplaces do, you know, are we going to connect automatically to them or am I going to, okay, I need five people. I don't have them. I'm going to go over to HR who has currently has the access to that gig marketplace, tell them to look for those five people and let me know when they found five people, right? Today, we see those two coming together is that there's going to need to be either built-in capabilities in those tool sets to do some of that external outreach, or I've got to have connectors to some of these established gig marketplaces. There's a whole bunch of them out there today so that I can have them be as a fluid uh, source of people as for my own employee base. I think, you know, Brent, you serve lots of customers. You know that that's a big reach for a lot of companies today. And that's one thing we've seen organizations just haven't done well and they're struggling with this. Okay, is that my responsibility now in delivery or is that still HR or, you know, where does that fit? And, you know, they, we see a little struggle going on in the enterprises around that. And you ask about what's coming in the future. I, I think of the next three five years, that will be one of the things we'll be talking about more than anything else is companies that successfully figured out how to broaden their ability to get qualified talent through a combination of employees and a bigger element or proportion of that base coming from third parties of some sort. And most likely the technology as a conduit to bring those together and to have that data at your fingertips. Absolutely. The technology is there. And then there's a second one I'll mention, and it it's really comes down to, it's interesting. I, this is one where I, I probably, I don't know if we have bragging rights or not, but when we formed the Institute, we really wanted to accelerate the maturation of the industry in how it embraced resource management. So if you reel back 10 years and looked out at LinkedIn or some tool and went looking for a search for resource managers, there just wasn't too many people that even had that title in their role. Today, you go out to LinkedIn and key in the word resource manager, those two words, and you'll just get literally thousands of them. But but interesting enough is that the need for resource managers has far outstripped the industry's current ability to grow new resource managers. They're just not there. And we're seeing, you know, we've never seen in the last year, we've got more calls, letters, inbounds, asking for help with companies saying, I can't find resource managers. And then we ask why they tell us two things. They're growing the size of their RMO functions because uh, they started to recognize more value from it. And then the poaching has begun, right? Companies can't find RMs, just go out and they're offering more money to get these people that jump ship from one place to another. And we're seeing an awful lot of that. We know where a lot of these people are because they came to school with us and we're tracking. They're part of the RMI. We're seeing, I've, I've never seen turnover in titles and jobs in a single role that we're seeing in the resource management thing today. And so so the message we're trying to send to people is we would prefer the industry not create any more churn than it's already creating because all it's doing is raising the cost of resource management for everybody. What we would prefer that the industry do is go find good people who fit the profile of a good resource manager, right? Good organizational skills or analytical. They've got good soft skills. They can interface with different people, have some delivery background, kind of the attributes irrespective of whether or not you have any training in RM process. Are you, are you capable of doing the job? And then get them to training, whether you get them our training or you train them internally on your own process is probably not as important as and get resource managers trained to do the job and then teach them how to use a good automation tool and put those together. But we're really pushing in a grow from within right now is, is because we're going to see a continuing shortage. There's a shortage today. It's going to get worse before it gets better. In 2023, we think is probably 2023, 2024, probably where it will peak. 
And then, you know, as the industry started, finally grown enough new resource managers, it will find it, it'll start to stabilize. But right now, and that bodes well for us, you know, we're, we're putting record numbers of people through the training program and we're seeing more and more come in. That's really helpful for us. But we really encourage organizations to think internally. If you're looking for resource managers, go find those talented people and build them a resource uh, career path and, you know, get this, some of the things you would have done for your project managers or delivery managers or other people in your companies. And actually getting ready, we're going to publish, I just wrote a four-part article that's going to come out on how to retain the best resource managers. And I'll be talking about some of the things I just mentioned here in this uh, podcast. That's a great summary and a great look forward into the future of this as a capability, both for firms who need to grow it from within, as well as individuals who are looking at this as a great career path forward. And to recap, if everything that Randy's been talking about is of interest, whether you're as a firm beginning this journey of maturation and evolution with resource management, or you you are mature and need more capacity and, and looking for a way to career path those individuals, all the research we referenced today is available at the Institute's website, the resourcemanagementinstitute.com. It's always a pleasure to have you on the broadcast. I'm sure this won't be the last time. For users who are interested in the research we discussed today or becoming a member of the Resource Management Institute, you can click on the link in the description of the podcast and go to their website, resourcemanagementinstitute.com. But thank you so much for joining today, giving us a look at what you gleaned from the recent research as well as a peek at the future. Can't thank you enough for giving me an opportunity to share some of this. I hope it's been helpful and always a pleasure. Looking forward to our next podcast. For our listeners, for ideas or feedback or questions, always feel free to reach out to us at podcast at cantata.com. Any follow-up questions for our guests, including Randy and suggestions for future episodes. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks again for listening.